when we talk about the will of God, there are lots of ideas out there about God's will. Why do so many people um, have many ideas about what God's will is? Uh, why do you think that is? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's not very clear in the Bible, or maybe in our lives we, we don't really know how to explain what we're talking about. Um, so how do you go about uh, finding the will of God in your life? How would you know? Do you roll dice? Do you pick a name out of a hat? Like, let's just talk about something that, let's see, none of y'all are married. So one day you're going to marry somebody, and you're going to want to know, is this God's will for my life? How will you know? Um... I think also for, for a lot of college students, for the first time in their life, they're experiencing real decision-making that is outside of the parent's authority. And so like they're actually making decisions that affect their lives and um, have real-world consequences. So have you ever uh, made a decision? Let me ask you this. Have you ever made a decision that you believed was, that it was God's will and only to see it go terribly wrong? Like you really thought. This was God's will. I mean, I knew a guy who was convinced this girl was going to be his wife. Like, convinced. And she didn't want anything to do with him. Um, so, it's tough because what happens when that What happens to you when somebody who you thought was going to be part of your life isn't? What about people who claim that God is speaking to them? Does this happen? If not, why not? Um, have you ever heard somebody tell you uh, well, God told me that I needed to study business management. I'm sorry, is that your major? Oh, yeah. Close, I was close. No, 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 that, that's, the that's pretty much it, okay. God told me to um, park my car. God told me not to go to work that day. I, I've, I've talked to people who said that. So my question is, is, is that really happening? And if so, can you question anything they say? Like if they say God told me that this, am I allowed to say I don't I don't know if that's right? Because if God told them, who am I to contradict them? And what happens when people say God told me something and what they're telling what they're telling me that God told them to do contradicts what God has already told us in his Bible? What about that? So what I'm getting to is that when we make decisions, when we talk about knowing God's will, one of the things we really work with is we are going to use the Bible in our decisions, in our decision-making. We are going to use the Bible. So what are some reasons, what are some excuses people make? And I think I have some of these on your sheet there. What are some excuses for not using the Bible in decisions? Why do people not use the Bible when they try to make practical daily decisions? Just give me some ideas off the top of your head. They're like, oh, it's not relevant anymore. It's not relevant, right? I think that might be the first one. Okay. Yeah. What up? I think it's also like sometimes... They think it might be too hard to kind of get hey guys. a decision. Ariel, come on in. Uh, we saw the thing that said cross impact. So. Yeah, it's us. We're doing a Bible study. Oh, Would you like to join us? Yeah. You can grab us some snacks or whatever. Let me give you a, a handout here. Yeah. We're talking about knowing God's will. Where are you guys from? Uh, we're from around here, Fort Mill. Yeah. Great. Here you go. Thank you. Grab a seat. Sure. All right. We're just getting started here. We had a uh, uh, little icebreaker to get started so we're not really we're just getting moving here so what are some excuses uh 
the uh, most obvious one that a lot of people bring up is the idea of, well, the Bible doesn't have anything to say about um, my decision-making. What was the one you were starting to say? Basically, like, you know how some people think it takes a while to kind of hear, like, God's response? Right. Yeah, I gotta make a decision now. Like, how am I gonna make a decision if I gotta like wait for God to talk to me, or if I gotta somehow? Oh, one that I think is kind of funny is pe- some people be like, "Yeah, okay, uh, the Bible has the answers. Uh, where do I go? Like, am I supposed to just open it up?" Like, I, I know people who do that. They're like, "Okay, all right, my decision today. Do I need to go to the store? Let's see here." And it says, "And Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber, which was in Samaria, and he became ill. I better not go anywhere." Or I might fall through my lattice, which is like a lattice, is like a um, like a thing that's in his in his above his house. You know, that's not a good idea. Oh, I need to stay inside today because God told me to. Okay, how do you use the Bible to make decisions? That's another key thing. If you're saying you got to use the Scripture to make good decisions, um, what what else? What are the reasons my people give for not wanting to use the Bible to make decisions? I think what's interesting here is that the Bible actually has a lot to say. Uh, let, me, I, let me back up. What is, if we say everyday decisions, um, what kind of things would you consider to be everyday decisions? Wow, well, okay. What kind of things do you consider not to be everyday decisions that you want to know God's will in? Where to get a job. Where to get a job. What car to buy. Who to marry. Career. Big decisions. Would you believe that if you read the Bible, what the Bible has a lot to say about is everyday decisions, and it has very little to say about the big decisions? So it's actually the reverse of this. The Bible has a lot to say about everyday decisions. Let's keep going. Um, what's another? One more. Give me like one more idea, reason why people say, well, I don't need to use the Bible. Additional revelation. Ah, there it is. Additional revelation is available in the form of visions, dreams, feelings, circumstances. Fle- what's a fleece? I, mean, I know you might wear a fleece, but what's a fleece if we talk about, about biblical, in biblical terms? You know what a fleece is? You ever heard somebody say, I'm going to use a fleece? There's a story in, in Judges about this man named Gideon. And uh, what Gideon does is God says, I want you to do something. And he says, all right, in order to know that you're really telling me to do this, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay a fleece outside. And when the morning comes, all the dew is going to be on the fleece. There's going to be no dew on the ground. And God says, okay, sure. The next day he goes out takes up the fleece, and sure enough, the fleece is so wet that he, he wrings it out, a whole bucket full of water, and everything around him is dry. And he says, all right, that's not good enough, Lord. The next, tomorrow, I want to wake up, and the fleece be dry, and everything else be wet. And he wakes up the next morning, does the same thing. Same, God is showing him by sign what's true. So what's an example of how people might use a fleece today in, 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 uh, in determining God's will? Like they're trying to figure out what car to buy, and they drive down the road, and they're old one, and Oh, this person's got a car in It's fake. Okay, perfect. Open doors, right? It's an open door. God opened a door for me. Uh, or some people are like, you know, they're going to, they're driving around, they're going to go to the car lot and they're going to sit in each car and see if they get a special feeling. Or they're going to drive the car and see what, I, I, um, here's just a crazy idea. I'm going to go to the car lot, I'm going to drive a bunch of cars, and whatever one I get uh, a bird poops on, that's going to be the car that I buy because that's God's sign that I should buy this car. Okay, it sounds stupid, but people do that kind of stuff. Uh, that's what a fleece is. Some people say, well, there's circumstances. Some people say they're feelings. People have dreams, visions, or whatever. And they say, well, I don't need to make a decision from the Bible because basically I can make a decision in another way. Why might they be wrong? I have a verse there for you. If you have your Bible, Second Peter um, 1, 3. Why might they be wrong? Who wants to read that verse for us? Who can read it? 
Laura, you want to get it? Okay, so what has God given to us? Uh, what is the word granted means given? What has God granted to us? What has He granted to us? Everything. Okay, everything we need, everything pertaining to. So not everything. He hasn't given you a Lamborghini, right? He hasn't given you um, the position of uh, president of the United States. What He's done is He's given you everything pertaining to what? Two things. Life and godliness. This is referring to, in, well, in, in, as a Christian, what you call um, being saved. That's how to go from being a, a, unsaved, a, a person who does not know Christ to knowing Christ, having eternal life, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And godliness is growing. Growing and changing. Okay, it does not tell us everything we need to know about chemistry or everything we need to know about physical therapy or business or whatever. It does tell us everything we need everything we need pertaining to life and godliness through what? How do we get how do we know this? Yep, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through knowing God through his word, you have everything you need for life and godliness. Uh, you don't need anything else including Feelings or external revelation. Let's look at another verse here. The Bible teaches us that uh, in 2 Timothy 3 that all scripture is inspired by God. Now, what does that mean? See this word here? What does that mean? God breathed. Yeah, God breathed it out. It's not something that's um, just like a good tip. It's not your newspaper in the morning. It's not just a random article you might read in a magazine. It's, it's inspired by God. It's intended by God for us. All scripture is inspired by God. It's, the word is they open new stuff. God breathed it out, and it is profitable. And what are the four things it's profitable for? Teaching, which is, I like to say this way: teaching is what is right. Doctrine, reproof, what is wrong. Uh, correction is how to make what's wrong right. And instruction in righteousness is how to keep it right. So you got what's right, what's wrong, how to make it right, how to keep it right. So that's that's what you need. The Bible gives it all to you. Okay. Um, what is not inspired by God is your experiences. Your experiences are not inspired by God. Your thoughts are not inspired by God. Your feelings are not inspired by God. The only thing that's inspired by God is what? God's word. God's word, right? You're in the scripture. You're not. You're not going to um, be perfect. You're feeling like you might have a wrong feeling. You, know, you just really got a feeling about this one. You ever gamble before? Don't do it. <laughs> but you ever done it before? I really got a feeling. This is my time. This is it. And you lose. It doesn't matter what your feelings are. God is the one who is, the word is inspired. God is the one who does this. And what's the result of someone who uses God's word properly? What's the result? When you see the word so that, what you're getting is you're getting a result. It's telling you why or what its purpose is. All scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, teaching, reproof, correction, instruction, or training in righteousness. Purpose. So that the man of God, that's the person of God, be a woman or man, whatever, can be what? 
What's the result? It's right here. What do you think? You can say it. Adequate. Adequate. Yeah. Adequate, which is, means perfect. It means complete. I like the word complete. Um, you know, it has the idea of, of thoroughly equipped for every good work. You can be equipped for everything you need if you pay attention to the word of God. Uh, the idea of being thoroughly equipped is a picture in the Bible of a vessel, of, of, a, of a sailing vessel that has uh, enough uh, material to do what it's required to do. So say you're on a vessel, a ship, and somebody's drowning at sea, and they're like 20, 20 yards away, 20 meters away, right? And, and you go to throw them a life ring, and your life ring only has five feet of rope. Okay? You throw it to them, but it won't ever get to them because, or if it goes, you know, you'll lose it. You won't be able to do the job because it's not equipped thoroughly. It's not um, equipped enough to do what it's called to do. And so in order for us to be equipped and adequate, we have to be paying attention to the Word of God. So not just your uh, feelings, but actually God's Word. So I'm trying to get you to buy into this because here is the aspects of God's will. There are two things that are really confusing about God's will, and I think this will really help you as we look at this. Two aspects. And I want you to really think about this, and we'll talk about this at length. When, God, when the Bible talks about God's will, there are two kinds of God's will. And I like to call them God's moral will and God's sovereign will. And um, God's dec- uh, directive will or God's moral will essentially is what God wants for you. Okay? So, can you know God's moral will? Can you know what God wants for you? As in, wants you to do uh, in a certain situation. As in, uh, moral choices. Do you know what God wants you? If you you are sitting there and you have a choice to lie or tell the truth, what is God's moral will for you to do in that situation? Tell the truth. So, can you know God's moral will? So, you can... Know it. In fact, the Bible tells us to know it. If you look at, um, oh, we'll get there in a minute, actually. I'm not going to get to those verses yet. There's a huge difference between that and God's decreed will, which is God's sovereign will. And this is what we, this is what we should do. This is what happens. Okay? And can you know God's sovereign will ahead of time? No. I mean, if you can, you got a crystal ball. Right? Can you know what's going to happen ahead of time? No. You, you can trust. You're supposed to trust God. You're supposed to know. Do, do God's word here. But we've got to keep these two separate. You've got to understand the difference that's being described in the Bible between these two wills. Because that's really, that's really key. If you understand the implications here, um, it's huge. Because sometimes people want to know the decreed will of God instead of the moral will of God. But knowing God's decreed will is impossible. What's an example of this? this? I was talking about you guys not being married. The example of God's decreed will, or God's sovereign will, or God's, God's future will for your life is whoever you end up marrying. Okay? That's, you can't. You don't know that. God's moral will is that you marry someone in the faith, if you're a believer. Because that's described in the Bible. He says, you are, it is God's will for you to do this. But people disobey God's will and choose to disobey it. However, that still falls under God's decreed will or sovereign will. Let me give you another example. Turn, if you have on there, I think it's Luke twenty-two thirty-two. 32. Um, do I have that? 
I don't have that up here. This is an interesting verse. If you have if you have a Bible, Luke twenty two thirty two. Do you have a question? Oh, no. no. Okay. Good. Um, I mean, I, I welcome questions. I'm not saying good for that, but I just want to show you something really interesting. In, in, in Luke twenty two thirty one, it says, "Simon, Simon, behold, Jesus is talking to Peter." Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus prays for Peter that in this moment of trial that he will not fail in his faith. God's moral will for his life is that he not fail, and Jesus actually prays that that he will not fail. What does Peter do at the crucifixion of Jesus? He denies Jesus three times. Do you see the conflict here? And that God's moral will was that Peter not, not deny him, and yet God's sovereign will was that he would. There's another aspect to this, and that is not, did the men sin when they, did, when they killed Jesus on the cross? Did they sin? Was that wrong to kill Jesus? Absolutely. But it was all part of God's sovereign will. And we'll see some of this in, in, uh, some more uh, here. I should never pretend that I know God's decreed will in advance. I don't have to. As long as I know he has one and it is good, that's all I need to know. Going forward. So when you're doing life and you're like, I want to know God's will, focus on knowing God's moral will and just accepting God's sovereign will. Don't pretend like you already know this ahead of time. Here's an example where that works. My wife and I, before we got married, uh, I, I, she had not, we had never talked about this before, this exactly, but I remember we were about three weeks out from our wedding and she says um, something like, do you know? Do you know it's God's? Will? No, it was when we got engaged. Yeah, it was when we got, so do you know it's God's will that we get married? And I said, uh, no. I think it is, but I don't know. I mean, who who am I? I could have walked out of that room, gotten in my car, and gotten plowed by a semi truck and been killed. And would it have been God's will that we get married? No. I mean, I'm, I think I'm, I'm doing right. I'm not like disobsinning against God by marrying her, I think it's the right thing to do, and I think we're doing what's good, but um, I, I can't know that for certain. You have to let God be God in that sense. You can't pretend like you know what's going to happen in the future. Okay, And this is where trusting God comes in. You have to know he has a, has a plan, and you have to know that God is good. If you know those two things, you can, you can survive trusting God through your, through, in his sovereign will. Obeying his moral will. Let's look at some of these verses that describe. Um, tell me. Well, I already have the answer down there, but pretend like you don't see that. <laughs> tell me. Tell me what kind of will we're talking about here. Who wants to read Psalm forty, verse eight? Sabrina, can you read it for us? You can do it. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Okay, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Is that God's sovereign will or moral will? Moral. How do you know? Because he's talking about delighting in the law, which is something God has given man. Yeah, he's talking about delighting in doing his will. Doing God's will, God's moral will for your life. Obeying God. Okay? How about this one? Who can read that one? Jay? Uh, so then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In Ephesians five seventeen, the Bible is actually telling us your job is to understand God's will. And if you if you can't see the future, you can see how this could be really frustrating. It's like, well, how am I supposed to understand God's will? I don't know what's going to happen. And what he's saying is, he's not talking about the future. He's talking about God's desire for your life, God's moral will. 
Okay? Uh, your job is to... In fact, God demands that you spend time understanding his will. You need to know God's will. And how do you know that? You don't know it by looking inward. You don't look, know it by looking outward. You do it by looking to the word of God because that's where his will is contained. Romans 12, 2. Who wants to read this one? I can Okay. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, which, again, which one is this? God's what? Moral will. You can prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. He describes God's moral will as good and acceptable and perfect. And you can prove it when you are being uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is, your life process of, of putting off the old man, renewing your mind in the scriptures, and putting on the new man helps you prove God's will for you. It helps you see God's moral will acting out in your life. It's really, really amazing when you think about it. It's not talking about the future. It's not that if you're pure and right with God that you can see into the future. That's not what he's saying at all. Let's look at what he talks about when he talks about the decreed will of God or uh, uh, whatever the case might be. Here in James 4, um, verses 13, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say what? If the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. The key is, what, what are they saying? What's the key? The key is submitting to God's authority. They're saying, look, I, I think, I mean, we're going to go and we're going to try to do this, that, and the other. There's nothing wrong with planning. But you understand that your plans are always submissive to God's will. Right? I mean, you think you're all going to graduate at a certain time. I, we were talking to Olivia, ready to graduate next year. You think that. But how do you know? You don't know. I mean, some tragedy could happen next year, and you could take a semester off. That's fine. And what you have to do is when that happens, if it happens, what you say is, well, you know what? God is good. God loves me. And he has a will for me. So even though this isn't in my plans and I didn't see it coming, God saw it coming and he knows what's going on here. He has a plan for me. You roll with it. You say, how can God use this to, to refine me? Um, and, and, and like, like he says, refine like silver. Uh, and then this verse here, um, Paul's speaking to the Corinthians. He says, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. The idea of, hey, I'm going to come to you, and I would, if God will let me. So the key here is this idea of submission and trust. Okay? Why do people want to know the future? Why do we seem to always want to know the future? Oh, I didn't put any <laughs> answers up. Um, what did it say that? Say your answer again. I'm sorry. Because they want to know what to do in the situation. Yeah, yeah. You want to know what to do? How can I prepare myself for the future? Like, if I knew that I was going to be, you know, having this situation come up, then I would do things differently. I wouldn't, you know. It's like the whole thing about if you have a used car, you know, like, do I fix this car or do I just get a new one? 
It's like, well, if I knew this car wasn't going to blow up tomorrow, I wouldn't put new brakes. You put new brakes on it, and then what does it do? It, it throws a rod, and an engine blows up. And you're like, well, that was a waste of money. I wish I'd known before I replaced the brakes and spent five hundred dollars that this car is going to be a worthless piece of, of of metal. You know, but I didn't. You want to know the future so you can prevent problems. Also, we think if we did that, we'd be guaranteed to be free from trouble. If we knew God's will, we wouldn't have trouble. Um, people buy cars. I use cars all the time because you guys are probably in a situation where you're looking for cars or maybe you have an old car or you know you just bought a car or whatever. And uh, people always are – like a lot of times people ask for God's will in buying a car. Why do they ask for God's will in buying a car? What do they really want about that car? For it to not break down. For it to be a good car, right? For it not to break down. What's the problem with that? I've said this before, it might not be God's will that your car be perfect. What if it's God's will that your car breaks down every week and you become really good friends with that shop mechanic and you end up winning him to Christ? Is that your car right now? No, my car is good so far. Good. I use that illustration a lot. If God makes a decision, then we're free from consequences. You ever thought about this? It's God's will that I buy this car. car turns out to be terrible. Well, I prayed, and it was God's will. I don't know what God was thinking. <laughs> I don't know if anybody would actually say that explicitly, but we might think that. We're trying to shift our responsibility for making decisions and blame things on God. Be that with relationships, too. Okay. Um, if, if, if you just have to pray and ask God to know the future, and God's going to make a decision for you, and uh, that's how things work, then the pressure is off to have any kind of facts at all. It's kind of a lazy person's way of making decisions. You just, well, God, what, tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. I, I'm, I, and God tells you the future, and you, and you go do it. Um, you can get away with that for a little while, maybe, but eventually it's going to come back to bite you, because that's not how God designed us to work, uh, and our relationship with him to work. Besides, it always struck me, when you do that, who is, suvi- who is serving whom? Ever thought about that? Are we supposed to serve God, or is God supposed to serve us? We're supposed to be the ones serving God. And if we're using God to achieve our ends, who is serving whom? It's very pagan. It's a very pagan idea to think that you can trick God, you can manipulate God into doing what you want him to do. Um, or use him for your purposes. All right, so we're going to stop here because we've got about seven or eight minutes. Are there any questions so far? Um, we're going to finish the rest of this next time. There's a lot of very basic principles. Uh, in fact, the next thing we're going to cover is the place for Scripture in decision making. So how do you actually use the Bible to make practical decisions? And we'll cover that next week.